Welcome to the new school. What we wanted to do was talk about the concept of authenticity and vulnerability in an industry that has typically been super buttoned up, super professional, and a little bit old school. Hello and welcome to episode number two of season two of the New School Video Podcast. We couldn't be more excited to have you here. So in this season, we're really going deep on marketing tactics and strategy for advisors. So if you haven't listened to episode one, I go back and listen to it because we had Samantha Russell from FMG and she talked about video and her journey. And of course, you know, we're mad fans of video. She also talked about zero click content to apply across social media and how to do that. And we've been applying it since we had it, her on the podcast. And of course, what are we finding? deeper engagement across social media, not only for our own marketing, but for our advisors that we're coaching and consulting on. So if you haven't listened to that, go back. It actually works. And she'll give you step-by-step -step instructions on how to apply it and then talk to like why it actually works, right? In this episode, we're talking about the power of podcasting. So we love video. We love podcasting. And you might've seen we announced a partnership with Proudmouth this year, and together we've created the first end-to-end -end advisor podcasting solution. So we're so aligned with everything that they are doing. They were podcasting almost like before podcasting was a thing, and advisors can now come in in our partnership, concept their podcast, launch it, have it be produced, publish it, and then have marketing and PR support to make sure that it's getting in front of the right people and that they're creating a conversion plan. So we have on this episode, Matt Halloran, who is their chief revenue officer and co-founder. You may have seen him at industry events across the country. He is so passionate about the power of podcasting. In this episode, of course, he's going to share why they believe in it, the impact it's had on their business, advisor businesses, and how advisors should really be thinking about podcasting. I mean, quite honestly, if I was an advisor, I would be podcasting, add video to it, and you get so much content. You live on your clients and prospects' phone, and it's a way to add so much value in a really intimate way where they're out working out or commuting or cooking and they're listening to you. So I would definitely be doing this. So Proudmouth is the top advisor podcasting firm in the country, and they have grown exponentially simply through the power of podcasting. So I don't know if you know this, but we've run the first ever advisor podcast awards with investment news two years in a row. And it's such a fulfilling experience to see all the change and impact that advisors are having with the power of podcasting. So let's get started. This specific episode is sponsored by our Advisor Marketing Bootcamp, where we coach advisors in peer cohorts on how to develop their marketing message, understand their ideal clients, rock video and social media, launch their podcasts, YouTube channels, or blog to drive organic growth and sign up for our free monthly marketing masterclass. Listen to the end of this episode for more details on this free resource. What a special opportunity for us to have Matt Halloran, partner and chief relationship officer of Proudmouth, who is really responsible for a lot of the advisor podcasts across our industry and is typically 
the host of podcast, not so much the guest. What's it feel like to be a guest today? I'm nervous. Being a guest, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I've done like a thousand of these and every time I'm a guest, I still have that little bit of queasiness, but I'll use that energy for good. I promise. So I guess the question is, if you're thinking about podcasting, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to double down on it at Proudmouth? I know you have an expansive background in marketing, digital marketing. You published a book. What was it that drew you specifically to podcasting for advisors and really in our industry? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with we wanted it to, we wanted to do it ourselves. And so everything that we've built at Proudmouth has been um, we test it on ourselves first before we really bring it to a client. I, I, I don't know. That's just my partner and I's business model. Um, so the funny thing is I had done everything that you would think to gain some level of celebrity in financial services. So I published two books. I published the first book on um, social media for financial advisors. Um, I've keynote spoke. I've been featured in every, all of these things, right? Wall Street Journal, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not bragging here because it didn't really do that much, right? Like, I mean, I was like, yeah, some people kind of knew me. And then when we started podcasting, my influence just blew up. Like I am at conferences now. People are like, oh my God, it's so neat to meet you. I'm like, what the heck's going on? And so we know that advisors can do it too. So when we first started, Kirk and I first started, we offered marketing and branding and then we offered podcasting. Um, and then Kirk was just like, this is so much more fun. Podcasting is so much more influential. Podcasting is so much easier and, and actually even more of a palatable price point because branding, as you guys know, is actually quite an investment for an advisor. So we doubled down. And since we've doubled down, we've done about 7,000 episodes now for advisors and about 250,000 wow. social media posts. Wow. What do you attribute that influence too, from podcasts. Like if you were to get into the, the mindset of the listener, like what do you attribute to that great influence, that celebrity effect and the power that podcasts have that other marketing mediums don't? I think it's the intimacy. So guys, people listen to podcasts in their quiet time. They're inviting you into their special time, getting ready in the morning, cooking food, exercising, commuting to work, right? Those are the times that people listen to podcasts and I'm going to get really nerdy here. So just bear with this. So, uh, so my master's degree was actually uh, how to reduce auditory hallucinations in people who suffer from schizophrenia. And mm. so I've studied audio and how, and where the Broca's area is, which is where you process all of your audio. And we know that the kind of intimacy and how your brain interacts with audio only, not video audio only is a very, very different sort of thing because fight or flight you pay very close attention to what's going on in your ears. And that's why your brain actually values audio only more than many other stimulus. Does that make sense? That's so that. interesting. Tell us more about that. Why is that? But I'm just trying to think about like, it's almost like sometimes like video is such a powerful medium. Like we're doing video on this at the same time, but I feel like there's something to be true. It's like just a simple case of like, sometimes when you're in a panic or you're stressed, you can't for the life of you find your keys. It's like your eyes let you down. Like you look, you look. And like for sometimes you like oversee it because like your mind is working so fast. Are you saying like what you discovered in your studies is that isn't the case with audio? It is. So there's two parts of that. No, number one, it's um, people have, let's just look at music. 
look at song within the animal kingdom. One of the most intimate ways to broadcast your appeal uh, is by singing, right? Or vocalizing. And so from, from an evolutionary standpoint, this was as important as being able to see something that you're physically attracted to. But, but I'll partner that with this because this is actually what's most important about the intimacy of podcasting. You're doing something else your guard is down, right? When you're driving, you're driving, but you're listening to the podcast. When you're exercising, you're exercising, but you're listening to a podcast. The filters that we generally put in with the level of distraction from video, like what you know, like what you guys are wearing, what, what I'm wearing, my background, your back, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's all of these distractions with video that is actually interrupting them receiving our message, where in podcasting, that other is already being that other stimulus is already being taken up by something that's generally active. And so the passivity of podcasting just changes that relationship. I hear people all the time. They come up to me and they say, man, I feel like I know you. I'm like, I've never met you, which that's the other nice thing. And the reason why my, I believe as, as, as Megan was talking about why my celebrity or influence really picked up is because it's so convenient, right? Like, I can listen to a podcast again while I'm doing other things. Can't really watch a video while I'm doing other things. Like I shouldn't be watching a video when I'm driving, right? I mean, this is dangerous. Um, but you're usually, so that's that's kind of pulling that apart a little bit more. Gosh, I love our new school podcast for so many reasons. One being that we have amazing guests on like you, Matt, who teaches new things. I'm like sitting here thinking, all right, I've never considered the intimacy of podcasts. And then you said, auditory signals in the animal kingdom, but I knew exactly, I knew exactly what you meant. Oh, and now I'm going to carry that with me forever because it makes perfect sense and just isn't something that I've considered. And so now I need to know your thesis was about, did you say auditory hallucinations in people with schizophrenia? Yeah. So how yeah, did you so, get from there well, to here? <laughs> That's such a fun question. All right. Uh, so here's the deal. When you go to graduate school to become a therapist, uh, they don't ever tell you if you're going to be good at it. Uh, so, so we have to kind of <laughs> qualify. Sorry. Right? Uh, and sorry so I, I that, Matt. sorry. I'm sorry. Oh no, 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 that's fine. So, so, uh, so I ended up, uh, you know, about sixty thousand dollars for my my master's degree to become a therapist, and um, my specialty was was schizophrenia, uh, actually severe and persistent mental illness, multiple personality disorder, dissociative identity, those sorts of things is what I focused on. Um, it's really hard to make a living with that uh, because mm -hmm. most of those people uh, are on disability and they don't pay. And then you have to deal with all of the insurance companies. And it was just a nightmare. So then I kind of went into private practice and then I realized women don't want to talk to men and men don't want to talk to men. And they didn't like that. I would tell them what they needed to fix because they didn't mm -hmm. want to fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. So people mostly came to a therapist and my friend said the same thing to complain instead of get treatment. And mm -hmm. I wanted to help people. So fast forward, <clears throat> I was driving home and I cried every day on the way home, just so you know, because it's abysmal. Like people, all they just do is dump their crap on you all day. And I'm OK with crying. I think it's actually a very manual, manly thing to be in charge or be in touch with your emotions. And I drove home and my wife said to me, how much longer can you do this, man? Like you're a freaking mess. And that's a great question. So I went back into work the next day and I went to monster.com and I typed in coach because I also have my master's degree as a life coach. Two things came up. Um, uh, 
One of them was, you, it was a $250,000 buy-in to be a Vistage coach. And mm. I was broke. Like we mm. were, I, I mean, I was dat, dat broke, right? And the other one was a guy named Ron Carson. And he was hiring coaches. And um, long story short on that, they wouldn't hire me. They wouldn't hire me. They wouldn't hire me. I was very persistent. Found out later that Ron loves something called persidity, which is persistence mixed with stupidity. And that was me and still me to this day. Uh, and they finally hired me. And that's how I got into uh, being a financial services co coaching consultant. That's fascinating. And that so you still are using, I have to assume, of course, you're using your coaching um, sort of experience, but still that therapy, you know, those that, the studies in that discipline, because so much of being a great coach is being able to really understand like underlying mindset and helping people understand how to overcome uh, perceived constraints and obstacles and how to really help them become the best versions of themselves. And I can imagine as we're thinking about podcasts, bringing intimacy to conversations, like there's, there's, there's a therapy component to that for sure. One of my favorite techniques that most people don't realize is as powerful as silence on podcasts. Now, usually it's not <clears throat> um, a long silence. Like, you know, in active listening, you generally give three to five seconds of space after somebody says something. Basically, what that does is that makes them uncomfortable, so they keep talking, right? It's a wonderful tool to basically peel the onion and get to the good stuff, right? I use silence on podcasts all the time. In fact, if you guys listen to our podcast, you'll find out very quickly, I don't really say very much, right? My job is redirection, rephrasing, and reframing. That's, that's what my job is. We actually teach this. Uh, it's actually a huge component of, of what we want to be able to offer to our clients, but if you don't know what those three words are, please look them up, uh, because if you learn how to use those three techniques in any conversation, uh, people are going to want to talk to you more because it's about them, right? It's not about you. And that's, guys, that's why I said at the beginning, I'm not super comfortable here. Uh, I don't talk about myself like this often at all. I'm usually always talking about you know, Proudmouth or my clients, or I'm highlighting when I interview people like you guys, right? That's my happy space because one, I love stories and two, I really love listening. So interesting because when I think about just even my own personal journey, one of the things I thought about is like, how fascinating would it be to be like a therapist? Because like I'm coaching advisors all the time. And I remember even when I was in university considering studying psychology, instead I chose to study finance and economics, but really economics is the psychology of human sentiment, really actually at the end of it. But I think what's interesting about it is when we think about marketing right now and, you know, we're in the new school frame of marketing and we're on the new school podcast, this whole series and we're in season two right now is about authenticity and vulnerability because we know that that is what connects people. But to your point, they can't get there and they can't create content that's authentic and vulnerable unless they're doing the work on themselves to be confident, to be okay with that, to be who they really are versus who they think they should be. One of our taglines here is be your own loud, right? And, and part of that whole idea and the philosophical premise that that builds for 
Proudmouth as an organization is we want our clients to unapologetically be themselves because if they are, they have zero competition because there's no other Candace and Meg, right? That's it. And I, you know, now you guys, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when I first, when I first got into this industry, which was in 2006, um, which by a crappy time to get into this industry, but um, even as a coach and a consultant, but um, there was still a lot of bravado and I know that still exists and it's unfortunate, but there is a substantial amount of bravado, especially in, uh, you know, at conferences. Well, how big is your office? How much production do you have? Uh, you know, I'm a million dollar, whatever. Look at my watch. Right. So, you know, that's the sort of stuff that I think is starting to get chipped away at. And I think people realize that it isn't always about the stuff. It's about the experience. And that's what we know financial advisors want to give to their clients. What does retirement mean? What is all of this work that they're doing is so that their clients can live the life they've always wanted to live. In fact, that's probably 9 million people's tagline, right? Um, And I believe that you're going to be a better advisor and be more true to yourself, much like, so so I'm going to rewind. I didn't give myself permission to be myself until Kirk and I partnered. Mm. Period. Mm. I was Matt Halloran, the author, and I was Matt Halloran on Practice Makeover, and I was Matt Halloran, blah, 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 featured in the Wall Street Journal, all of that stuff. I didn't give myself permission to be silly and ridiculous and like a Muppet. I mean, I didn't allow myself to that because I thought I had to be somebody else. The minute that you give yourself that permission, you're truly authentic. That's when you have zero competition. And I also believe that you look at the world differently. Well, I also think you have, um, in my experience, like more flow, like things come to you and like more ease is my experience in it. Um, and I think that all of us has a story around like finding that authenticity and finding that natural flow. I, you know, I've talked about it before, but at one stage in my career, I just had severe anxiety and brutal insomnia. And really, I had to do the inner work to understand and really answer the question, like, who am I and what am I meant for? And that still pops up every now and then. I notice, like, I start to get slightly anxious if something, and to me right now, it's always just a message that something is out of alignment. So it's just to say, hey, Candice, I'm here. Take a look at it. But the reason I bring that up is because I remember when I worked at United Capital and I was head of field management, I used to travel to all the different offices and I'd speak to advisors. And a lot of them would tell me that they were suffering from anxiety or they were suffering from insomnia. It would be like nighttime Mm -hmm. conversation because there was this intensity, this expectation of how it's not just them. I mean, it's for everyone, but how they should be and how they needed to show up versus being able to demonstrate their expertise, but be their authentic selves. There's a lot of work too. And, and, and I think that that's in hearkening back to my therapy days, which is why people would come in and just complain. They didn't actually want to do that work. Candace, the journey that you're on, that, that I'm on, and I, I know Meg is on too, it's it's hard, man. I, and it's scary. Like he's like, see warts and faults and oh my God, do I want to deal with this right now? And, and a lot of people just don't want to do that work. They would rather, you know, kind of just go through life 
as easy as possible, right? Something, something that a mentor of mine said to me, which I absolutely loved is most people are trying to arrive at death safely. I personally want to go scarred and full of bullet holes, right? Um, now the bullet holes thing has a little different context today than it did many years ago. Like I would say maybe go up in flames, right? Uh, that would be fine for me. Uh, but I wanted to quote them directly on that. Uh, but I really do think that a lot of people just don't want to do that work. And since they don't want to do the work, they're never going to find that authentic self, which means they're ever never going to have that level of fulfillment that they could have to not only live their best life, but also provide the best service for their clients. Because man, once you're truly authentic with yourself, you realize you want and crave more of those relationships and conversation. I think that there are so many people who don't want to do the work. And then I think that there are probably even more people who haven't been given the permission that we all feel that we have or haven't felt as though they're in a safe space. Because in our industry in particular, to their point, there is so much bravado and ego. And so it makes it really difficult for people to feel like they're in a safe space to find their true selves and to find that alignment and to do the work and to know what types of resources and allies and coaches and consultants like exist within the industry to help to do that work and to help people find alignment between their vision and their values in a way that creates change. And that's why I get so excited about the work that we do at FICOM. I know this, you do this like same type of work within the same mindset and philosophy as FICOM. And that's why we've decided to partner up together on our podcast offering, which we're so pumped about. And I just think that these types of conversations are so crucial so that people in the industry can know that like, they have a safe space with us, right? And that we have resources that are available oftentimes for free, just in like the type of content and the workshops and the events that we do. We also have coaching programs that take people through this because I, my own story is, is probably very similar to yours, Matt, and that, you know, similar to your time coaching at Carson and then my time before I launched FICOM, I just didn't have anyone give me the permission. Mm -hmm. And I really felt as though I was expected to show up in a specific way. Um, and so, some of that was absolutely expectations that I put on myself, but others were expectations that people, mostly men, put on me as a young female professional. And so, you know, your Kirk is my Candace. Like when Candace and I started working together, it was like a life changing experience for me because she gave me the permission, but she also gave me the framework by which I could really figure out like, what are, what is my vision? What are my values? What is the change that I want to create? And to say like, it's okay to just stay there. You don't have to do all of these other things. You don't have to show up in any other way other than the way that you want. And like that type of permission is life changing. Well, I, I, I do want to qualify uh, that because I, I do realize that I do have the privilege of having that permission available to me more than others. And I cannot stress that enough. I know that I have friends of mine in financial services who still have to play that game because of all of the other things that I personally don't have to deal with as a straight white man, right? And so, you know, this has been my industry, right? I mean, you guys, uh, it goes all one of my first, for, you just, I'm chasing a rabbit bag. So you just opened up a can of worms for me. I'm sorry. So one of my first favorite clients was this woman uh, who lives in Connecticut. She started a, a she worked for like a big wirehouse uh, in the late seventies, early eighties. Mm. And she used to tell me stories, what it was like for her to be there. 
right? And I just think back and then, so we were at a conference together, her and I were at a conference together. We just happened to be at the same time. And some guy talked over her and interrupted her during a session, uh, like a networking session. And I just looked at this guy and I looked at her and she's like, yeah, it's still the 80s in some people's mind. <laughs> this woman was probably one of the most educated, best advisors, advisors I've ever met in my entire life, built a juggernaut practice. And this schmuck who probably, you know, and again, the bravado made $250,000 a year you know, and was still trying to sell to anybody who fogged me or interrupted this woman who at the time was like a four and a half million dollar producer and worked 15 hours a week. Right. And I just, I, that sort of stuff just drives me crazy, but here's the deal. If the schmuck gave him permission to not be a schmuck and to be himself, cause that schmuckiness is, is a total front, right? My client gave herself permission to be herself, but she didn't do it until she was like 50. Mm. Right. And then when she did, she, everything he got even better for her. But I, I just, I just wanted to, to, I want you guys to know that that's something that we pay very close attention to is that head start that mm. some of us actually have in all of this, that we need to be cognizant of and not necessarily be ashamed of, but at least bring to surface that we're aware of it. Hmm. I want to acknowledge everything you just said. And <laughs> something that I was, so I, I had a couple of questions just kind of circling back around there. So, and okay. I know that you've done tremendous work and you continue to be, do tremendous work in the industry around um, championing diversity, um, being an ally. I know recently you had a LinkedIn post where you shared, and thank you for tagging us, that was incredible. Yeah where you said you were on the top 100 influencer list for our industry, but there were no women tagged. So, or I think there were three women or something like that. And so you listed all the women and it looked like that post went viral. How many Holy views did it get? So 24,000 as of now, uh, hands down, the, the, the most interaction I've ever had with the post. Uh, I think we had 400 comments, but the coolest thing was... Um, there were 300 more women tagged in it. Like, oh, this is so cool to see all of these women and, and, and men calling out all of these amazing women in, in financial services. And um, somebody had said to me, they called me offline. Um, and, and she said, that is what a real influencer should do is an influencer should use their influence to raise other people up. And that's not what most people think an influencer is supposed to be, which is actually a huge component of, um, of what we want to be as Proudmouth. We, we want to use our influence to raise the voices of really the Main Street advisor to turn them into a Main Street authority, but most importantly, to try to find ways to empower them to feel that they can be more and more influential. Because here's the deal, guys. Influence marketing is the only marketing that's left. Everything else is crap. You know, you don't have the, the buy my car sort of stuff that doesn't work anymore. Nobody wants to hear that crap. They want to build a relationship with you when it's convenient for them, which again, which is why content marketing and podcasting, even video is just, that's, that's the future. And we have to pay attention to that. This is the new school podcast. So we should probably bring that up. Yeah. You know, I, what just, I was just thinking about one of the problems that we are hearing quite a bit in the industry, and um, I'm so privileged. I get to work with a lot of executives across the industry, 
And one of the things that we're working on often is that when you look at overall, like today's digital sales funnel and lead gen, what we're seeing is that it's the these local sort of like um, very either geographically centralized or even even better, like really narrow focused niche market advisors that are having like phenomenal marketing success. That's what we see with our boot camp and with our Amplify mm -hmm. podcast offer. And then when you sort of move up to these larger organizations that often have a national presence, they're really struggling, right? Like client acquisition costs are skyrocketing, conversion costs are plummeting. And this is not specific to any brand. The only sort of um, common client acquisition costs are going up, you mean? Yes, did I say that you wrong? Said plummeting, yeah. Sorry, yeah. client acquisition costs are skyrocketing. Yes. Conversion is plummeting. Mm -hmm. And it's the commonality between these businesses that, you know, I'm having these conversations with is just that they're large in scope and they're national brands and they're controlling the marketing sort of from the top down. Mm -hmm. And to your point around influence marketing is all that's left. Like that's the hard work that I'm doing right now with executives across the industry is to really help them understand, like, how can you leverage influence marketing when you're a large national brand? Mm -hmm. And like, how do you pull in the power of, human to human connection, new school vulnerability, authenticity, when you're talking about a brand versus an advisor. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think there's just, I, I love the conversation from every angle because I love it in one way to me. I'm like, yes, this is why I'm like, we've always been like the champion of the individual advisor, right? Like our work helps to um, create the opportunity for individual advisors to work with more people and deliver the good work, even when we're working with enterprises, because it has the triple down, trickle down effect. But I also love the challenge of trying to solve that at scale, mm -hmm. right? And like, how do you think about humanizing brand uh, brands in a way that they can take advantage of the opportunity for influence marketing? Because I totally agree with you. That's, that's basically what's left. Um, and I see you thinking, so I'm curious <laughs> to see your, hear your thoughts. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you just triggered, and I hadn't really thought about this before. Um, so I went to the Fearless Investing Summit recently. Mm -hmm. um, Aaron Klein's done it. Uh, you know, like I, I think about that dude, man. And he has built an entire culture. I mean, by basically off of a piece of small technology, a risk, you know, I mean, now they offer way more stuff and I'm not trying to minimize what they offer, but it was freaking risk alliance at the beginning, right? A risk tolerant score. But he, from that top position of leadership has truly used his influence to help grow everything. And what he's done, which I think all CEOs can do is they still need to be that kind of figurehead. But what he's done is he's empowered everybody from him down to be able to have their own voice. And I think in corporate America, with a lot of the larger relationships that you might have, there is a layer of protection and concern that those middle people might not be representing the ultimate brand the way that they are. But mm -hmm. I really do believe so. So there's, you know, like Brian McLaughlin from Redtail. I mean, there's there's CEOs that I can think of in financial services who have given themselves, Meg, you know, that permission to be that. And then when all of the people who are under them look up and say, oh, my gosh, look at how awesome this leadership is. I and and I, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to say podcasting is the solution for everything, but 
when we first started, one of our big target markets was going to be companies like that so that CEOs and executive people could have an internal podcast to help build that brand, that culture, hear from the CEO, hear what she has to say, why she's saying it, why it's important, how is this applicable to me? That that crashed and burned immediately. So, okay, well, that was a good, you know, Matt chased that rabbit, and now we're going to chase another one. Um, but I really do believe it's the same level of permission. Um the these CEOs of organizations that have allowed themselves to be themselves and be open and out, uh, it affects the entire company. And what we've seen with those two examples specifically, you know, uh, you know, Brian selling Redtail to Orion for an undisclosed amount of a lot of money, right? <laughs> um, and and then Aaron Klein, right, who has built this culture. I have I have only been to one other conference, and that's Carson, um, that felt like fearless investing. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. They've totally mm -hmm. built that culture and it's from Aaron, just like it's from Ron. So mm -hmm. Matt, I feel like we could have like a, a, a series, but with Matt Halloran here, I mean, it's just been incredible. I feel like even in this short interview, like I've gotten to know you like better and like deeper, you know, one of the questions that we get across the board, you know, we are so, um, bullish on podcasting and especially video podcasting for all the reasons you outlined. We've run the advisor podcast awards two years in a row. It has been such a gift to be able to do that. And our podcast about authenticity and vulnerability, which won right now, won Wealth Management's digital campaign of the year. And I think when that happened, we were like, oh my goodness. Like it was a nice signal. Like that, like other people believe the things that we believe, you know, and that through the power of podcasting, it's really that vehicle for change to like connect us all, to understand that we're humans, to understand like, you know, the psychology behind it, like how do we connect with each other? But one of the things that we hear across the board is sometimes is, you know, we're working with advisors and who are into it and they get it. But every now and then we'll hear from people that will say, there's too many advisor podcasts. Like, why should there be another? Like, what is, we have a set response to it, which we say, like, no one would say that about blogging. Like, why would you say that about like podcasting? So like when you hear that, if you hear that, what's your viewpoint on it? Well, I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but I usually laugh out loud uh, because it's one of those things like nobody says, well, there's too many Twitter profiles or there's too many blogs or too many websites or it's like every other aspect of content marketing, right? What What is there like one kabillion videos uploaded to YouTube every day, right? Uh, you know, I, I just, I, it just seems baffling to me, but here's the deal. If you're going to do another podcast on the, the power of a Roth conversion, yeah, you're done. You're right, right? Don't do it. That's because it's been done. It's been done. It's been done. It's been done. But if you have a podcast that's about you and about how you bring great value to your clients, and we believe it should be a conversation. And so there are some people who don't necessarily agree with this. There are advisors who think they should just solo cast, which is talk at you for 30 minutes. We know just so you know, research does not play out that that actually is a powerful marketing technique. Um, it needs to be a conversation. So in our format, we use an interview conversation style with a professional interviewer that actually has a conversation just like this with advisors. That sort of thing, what happens, just like what, Meg, when you said that, you just made me think about something that, you know, because of the way that you framed that statement, that's the power of having somebody else there to help you sound way, way, way better, honestly. And on top of that, they can say stuff about you that you can't or that you maybe shouldn't because it comes across as being cocky and arrogant. 
So that's that's how we really solve that. But but the initial question is, no, it's a it's a load of crap, to be really honest. Uh, there aren't too many podcasts out there. Uh, in, in fact, uh, there isn't even like 2% of advisors podcasting. So out of the 400,000 financial services professionals that are in our industry right now, less than 2% are actively, actively podcasting with a podcast of any substance at all. And we know consumers are listening to podcasts. I mean, I'll speak to anyone, check out their phone. They've got podcasts downloaded on it yeah. to people in your network. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the New School podcast. Before we close out, we ask every single one of our guests, what does the New School mean to you? Well, I think the New School for, for you guys, you've said it, and I love how consistent you are with this in the entire podcast. It's Ah, give yourself the permission to be yourself. Uh, you know, here's the deal. Even if you don't like yourself that much, that's okay, right? Work through that later. But the minute that you allow yourself to be yourself, unapologetically be yourself, you have no competition. Do you still have people who want to go after the same clients as you do? Yes. But this is a relationship game and it always has been. It's not a sales game. It's not, you know, who can, you know, Chet Holmes themselves to be the ultimate sales machine, right? It's building relationships with people when it's convenient for them, then they buy from you. And you don't have to sell anymore if you do this right. Can you imagine how liberated you would feel if you didn't have to try to close people all the time that people would come in and be like, you know, Candace Mag, I'm ready to join Amplify. Because I know that happens with you guys because we've talked about that, right? It's because you built such an amazing library of engaging, intimate, personal content that they know who you are, what you do, and what makes you unique and different. So they come to you ready to buy. Here's the deal, everybody. Everybody is Googling everybody all the time, right? So if you're not podcasting, your clients are listening to somebody else's podcast. If you're not on social media, somebody else is talking to your clients. This is not a choice anymore. This is the reality of business. And part of the new school thinking you need to have is you need to be where your ideal clients are at the time that they're there with unique content. And when you do that and you do it for 18 to 24 months, it will entirely change your business. It will. And thank you so much for like underscoring that so beautifully. And and Matt, I, what I love, one of the many things I love about you is that you have such amazing insight and you show up as such an, like this incredible demonstration of what you mean. So it helps people to learn in ways that they wouldn't otherwise be able to. So thank you for all of that. Where can people find you um, if they're listening to this podcast and they want to connect? I really LinkedIn. I mean, I know that's probably maybe not what you're looking for. I mean, you go to the website, proudbot.com, but, but really seriously, like I can't, I communicate, you, you connect with me on LinkedIn. We'll talk. Right. Uh, so I absolutely love LinkedIn. I think it's a wonderful medium. Um, so yeah, find, find Matt Halloran on LinkedIn. If you type my name in, I'm usually one of the first three I've been on there for a really long time. So, uh, yeah, I would love to connect with anybody on LinkedIn if they wouldn't mind. Matt, such a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this, writing a review. This podcast episode is sponsored by FICOM's Advisor Marketing Bootcamp. As part of our bootcamp every month, we host a free marketing masterclass series with experts on everything from current marketing trends like advisor YouTube and podcasting to how to optimize your LinkedIn profile or communicate during uncertain markets. These classes are highly interactive and practical 
with a focus on how to execute and implement. We also take live questions in our dial-in advisor segment. So sign up in the link below or at FICOMPartners.com. 